Okay, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the Summerton Community of Summerton, Philadelphia. Continuing with Ner Mitzvah from the Maharal and Hanukkah. We have seen quite a lot of development over here. The Maharal has laid the foundation for us upon which he is going to build um, a lot of structures of thought over here and the foundations of what uh, Gullus is all about, the four empires that throw Klyasrol into the four exiles, why it's a necessary part of creation, and <clears throat> what needs to be done with those four empires in order for uh, the world to come full circle and to to uh, accomplish what what uh, the point and the objective and the purpose of this world is. So we've seen a, a, a quite a lot. Why this idea that the world is necessarily flawed, necessarily defective, and there's four uh, basic directions that that flaw can take, and that becomes the four empires. Um, at this point, I believe, since you know we, we're learning this near mitzvah to get ourselves ready for Hanukkah, to get see what the Mara has to say when it comes to Hanukkah, uh, we do want to get to the parts where he actually gets into Hanukkah. Uh, we see you know a lot of the, the the background and his again the principles that he's establishing over here. Um, so in the interest of you know Hanukkah is around the corner, and in the interest of uh, getting into the like the kishkas of you know the Hanukkah ideas, we're going to skip a little bit where 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 we are right now is page test of the standard edition of Ner Mitzvah, the right hand column of that new paragraph. We're going to be skipping um, from where we're holding currently to page Yud, which is the next page and the next paragraph, which begins cleanly and neatly on the next page. And here is where the Maharal is going to start getting into the specifics of the nature of each of the four empires and each of the four exiles. You know, as we've seen, there's a concept that this world has to be flawed, this world has to be defective, it has to be imperfect because it's Atzav Hashem, and the four empires are the, 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 the four nations, each are going in a different direction with their own personal spin um, and approach in how to concretize that imperfection. The imperfection means that this world can be taken away from Hashem, so to speak, and can deviate and drift. There can be a competing vision, a competing malchus, and there's four different types of, basic types of that competition. But what are those specifics? What is, you know, we said it's toyu, vayu, chayshech, and tahoim, and bubble is about toyu, the, the, the bubble's competition, it comes in the form of of um, of um, Um, hmm. Bubble comes in the form of things that are tayudic, that are, are uh, desolate, and empty, and barren, and parasamaya mother that's bayu, that's confusion and chaos. Yavan is chayshech, and edoim is tahoim, is the murky depths. But what does that mean specifically? Like, what are these four approaches? What are these four? Um, concepts, what do they mean practically, what, what do they mean hashkafically? So this is where the, the morale is going to go next. So, and this is eventually going to bring us to understanding the third out of the four, which is Yavan, which is the Greek empire, and the Greek approach, the, the approach of Yavan to building off of that flaw in the Bria, in, in the way of Chayshech, in the way of darkness, which is going to connect us back to Hanukkah. So let's see, the Maral is going to now 
go 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 uh, that way. Uh, Again, the specifics of each of the four. So says the Maral. The Medrash quotes a Medrash that brings us back to that vision that Daniel had that we began this this safer with. Daniel sees a vision of four fearsome monstrous beasts arising from the waters, and each of these beasts. He describes the, each one looks different than the other. Each one represents in his in this vision that he had uh, a different one of the four empires. So we, we, we go back to that. The Medrash brings these psukim. Then for Arba, Chevon, Ravrivin, Salkim, and Yama, Daniel says he saw four mighty beasts coming out of the out of the sea. <coughs> the Medrash says like this: The Medrash says that um, if Kleis was in a good place, then these, yes, these empires will be arising, arising from the ocean, from the sea. Vimlav, but if we're not in a good place, if Kleis deserves chasashalim of a more difficult time under these empires, Minchursha, they will emerge from the forest. Okay, the, the Psukim they refer to the ocean, they also refer to the forest. Isn't it seeing these, the beasts, these empires challenging us? From the sea or from the from the forest? Let's see. Um, he's going to quote this medrash at length, and then he's going to go back and return it and explain it. When something comes out of the sea, it's it's obviously in a state of um, of uh, it's it's um, it's, it's um, in a. Um, uh, what's it called? A um, in a state of, uh, of not not having its fullest ability. Something that's coming out of the ocean, right? Is is um, is uh, going to be waterlogged? Is going to be um, half drowned? The, these beasts don't know naturally. The, the ocean is not their natural environment. So all the beasts that he described there was a lion, a bear, etc. Another creatures that he described are are, um, are aquatic creatures. So something comes out of the ocean, comes out of the sea. That means it's already like at half strength, maybe quarter strength. Um, so that's when Kleis was in a good place. These beasts will emerge from the sea. I.e., either they're they're you know, excuse me, they're not going at full steam. But when they come from the forest, that's their natural habitat. The, uh, elsewhere, the describes coming from the forest. Then we're in for a very hard time. Appears that says the Maral. The Maral explains this. What does it mean to come from the sea as opposed to coming from the forest? The sea is removed from civilization. So what does it mean to come from the sea? They're not at full strength. It means the sea is something that's far away, right? It's far from civilization, far from where we live. And if Klaus was in a good place, even when we have to be, there's a, there's a good way of being in Golis and a bad way of being in Golis. And Klaus was in Golis, and we're in a good place in Golis. We're overall, we're okay. We're more or less behaving ourselves. Then, they're like, a, they're, they're aquatic creatures. They're far removed. They're far away from us. Um, Something that's in the ocean is as 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 a lower level existence, right? As a compromised, um, it not, doesn't have a, a fully uh, uh, empowered 
and and it doesn't have a full existence the same way that land creatures have an existence. It says the Maharag is a very interesting insight. Existence in in uh, it's submerged. Existence something that that is a, a water-based creature, an aquatic creature. Uh, in Hashkafa is is not is 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 um, not in the same level, not in the same strength, not not in the, it doesn't have the same legitimacy of of, in, of of existence. It's a lower level existence, a lower form of existence than something that lives on the land. That's why it says the Maral that um, food that comes from the ocean doesn't require shechita. Fish don't require shechita. Just hit it in the head with a mallet and you can eat it, right? And technically speaking. To make a fish kosher doesn't even need to be killed. You can't eat a live fish, but for other reasons, not not because of kashos reasons. You pluck a goldfish out from your kid's aquarium. Kashros, how uh, wise, but there's nothing stopping you from eating it live. You're not allowed to do that. It's still us. It's navera to eat alive, because there's navera that says about the shak. So you're not allowed to do things that are gross. There's navera like this. You know, there's an isser in doing things that are gross. So you can't eat a live fish because it's gross to swallow something that's like squirming around in your mouth, squirming, eating something that's still alive. But for, for, as far as kashras goes, you don't have to kill the fish to make a kosher. You certainly don't have to shak the fish to make kosher. It doesn't even have to be uh, dead to be kosher. So the Maharal gives a very interesting insight. The reason why fish don't have to be shechted is because they didn't quite fully come into creation the same way land-based things come into creation. We're, we are, human beings, we are land-based um, creations, right? Let's say land-based animals. We're not animals, right? We're people. But we are, are we, our habitat is on the land, on terra firma. That's where we live. We don't live in the water. Um, <clears throat> we go in the water when we have to go into the water. But we don't live in the water. We live on the land. And that's where, like, the, the civilization is where... That's where the habitable um, part of the world is from our perspective. So anything that shares the land with us is closer to our existence and is, is a higher form of existence because this is what was created. V'seira um, hayabasha, Kodesh Baruch on the second day of creation. Um, creates dry land. We have... Um, Yabasha means means habitat. It doesn't just mean dry land. It means habitat where, where where things live. So what shares the land with us is a higher form of creation. What lives underwater is a lower form of creation. Higher in what sense? Intellectually, or is it argue because dolphins. Not intellectually, no. Higher in terms of of. Um, not in terms of intellectually, no. It doesn't mean intellectually at all. It means higher in terms of, of um, more complex, more complicated, more created. More creation goes into things that are on dry land. As opposed to, let's look at it this way. We have a sliding bar that on one side we have all creation in its entirety, right? In its final form. On the other side we have Hashem before creation. Creation then doesn't happen like this. It's a series of stages and steps, right? That's a basic idea. Hashem first is just Hashem, and then 
Hashem has the interest in creating a world, and then Hashem has a plan in creating the world, and then Hashem creates this sphere of, you know, this Midah and this Midah, this Midah, this Midah, this Midah, Hashem lays all the grand work, and then Hashem says, he or, let there be light, then Hashem says, you know, let there be a separation of waters, this stage after stage after stage after stage, the Brie gets more and more and more created, more and more complex. So a higher form of creation, in a certain sense, really means a lower form of creation. It means anything that's on dry land is at the final stage of creation. <clears throat> anything that's still in the water didn't quite make it to the end of creation. It's, it's a, by lower, you can say, you can understand lower is higher, just as long as you don't get confused. It means it's a little bit closer to a primordial state, a raw and rough state, than human beings and anything that lives on the land, which is in the final polished state of creation. It's less polished, less finalized, less created. That's what it means by a lower form of creation. You understand? The same way we would say, again, it has nothing to do with intelligence. Nothing to do with all with intelligence. But we would understand that um, a, 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 um, if you had a very intelligent um, I don't know, amoeba. But let's say it was a hyper-intelligent amoeba, that's a lower form of creation just because of the fact that people are more complex, people are more complicated. There's more stages and steps of creation that go into a, a human being as a final form of creation. So aquatic life, aquatic life, to say it more clearly, is not a final form of creation yet. It's like a form of creation that that is, is from a stage a few steps before the final stage of creation. That's what aquatic life means. Simpler biological structure? I, I would be reluctant to say that, but it's possible, but I would be reluctant to say that because then you, you, find, you may find something very complex, you know, in, in, in the aquatic um, biosystems. They just say, look, this is much more complex. There may be things on the land that are less complex than things that are in, 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 in the ocean and the sea. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But it just means that aquatic life is 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 not the final destination of the brio. There is something that requires there to be oceans and, and and bodies of water in the world, and and once you have oceans and bodies of water, there's going to be life forms there as well. But um, aquatic life is not the final stage in creation. That's all. That's all. It's possible that in a general sense, maybe in a general sense, generally you'll find um, more complex life forms on land than in the ocean. But I wouldn't lock it into that at all, because it's not. you don't need to say that to understand what the Maral is saying. Because we just start off with Hashem is on one end, the creation is final form is on the other end. There's a, a series, a very long series of steps and stages that goes from Hashem to the final form of creation. And the, the realm of aquatic life is not all the way at the end. It's the stage that comes before that. Whereas land-based life, that's the final stage of life. That's that's the Seireh Hayabasha. World's created ultimately for um, for human beings and for Klaistro who live on the land. Water is a stage that comes a few steps before that, and the water-based life is therefore also a few stages before that. So it's not. Um, a point of creation, which is the final point of creation. That's why, says the Maral, doesn't need shechita. Shechita is required for for um, creations, animals that um, have reached their final form. 
have, 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 are, are coming from a place that is uh, the last stage of creation. To make something like that kosher, it's a, it's a complicated process. You need shechita. Shechita elevates it. Shechita purifies it. Whatever, whatever. I don't understand what shechita is. But shechita is required for something that is to, to make um, animal life, land-based life, the final stage of, of life, final stage of creation, kosher. Um, something which is coming from an, uh, a, a, a uh, less formed, less created stage does not require as much to make it kosher. Close, closer to Hashem, so to speak. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's, that's a, is a deep idea, but um, I think uh, yeah, we, we get what the Maral is saying, right? Understand what the Maral is saying. So he's saying that there's our existence and there's aquatic existence. Aquatic existence is removed from our existence. It's lower than our existence. It's further away from our existence. It's not the, you know, the final stage of creation and existence. Um, yeah. I, when it, it, as long as you stay you know, more or less on dry land, you don't have to worry about anything that's in the water. Things that are in the water can't, can't, uh, you know, sharks and whales, and you know, they're not, they're, we never heard of shark attacks um, in the uh, in you know. Uh, what? In Brooklyn. Yeah, in Brooklyn. Yeah, I was saying. A couple of days ago. In, in Philadelphia. Right? No one gets attacked by sharks in the middle of the night, you know, at home. But the animals, see, right, can go anywhere. Anywhere you let an animal go, it can go. Anything that's, that's um, land-based has access to all the land. Anything that's water-based can't come out of the water. It's, it goes together with this idea of the Maral saying. So let's get back to the Maral. So according to Medrash, the Medrash is telling us that, that Daniel sees these beasts at times in the, coming from the ocean, at times coming from the forest. So coming from the ocean, the measure says that when we're in a good place, Klai is doing what we're supposed to be doing, they're more water-based, i.e. they affect us less. What the measure is really saying over here is that even in Gaulus, there's different ways of being in Gaulus. We can be in Gaulus in a way that the powers that be, the game that we live under, have more of an influence over us, more of an effect over us, that's when they're, as represented by them coming from the forest, and they have much less of an influence over us as represented by them rising from the sea. Let's see. Um... When we're doing the right thing, when we're when we're behaving, so they are, so to speak, arising from the ocean, from the sea. But if Kleis is not in a good place in Gaulus, we're not behaving ourselves in Gaulus. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in Gaulus. Again, this is a very deep insight over here. There are two different ways of even being in Gaulus. We can be in a good place in, in, in Gaulus, or a bad place in Gaulus, then um, they come from the forest. Shehu Yishuv, that is civilization, that's where we live. The forest is right here. Avki Ayarhu Nivdam and Ayishuv, even though you'll argue the forest is also still not civilization. I mean, people don't make cities in the forest. Um, so why does that represent the, the opposite of them coming from the sea? Yes, the forest is, no one lives in the forest because the forest, that's, that's exactly where the wild animals are. It's true that the human habitat is not in the forest, but it's right next to the forest. The forest, um, anything that's in the forest has generally open access to 
city dwellers to civilization, which is right next to the forest, whereas anything that's in the sea, anything that's in the ocean, does not have access to people that are living on the land, right? We don't have to worry about the sharks when we're walking down the streets at night. We don't have to worry about the blue whales when we're walking down the streets at night. We don't have to worry about them. They have no access to us. But the things in the forest do have access to the, to the cities. It's a civilization. Yeah. Okay, so that's why they refer to uh, at times coming from the sea and at times coming from the forest. And Daniel sees these four beasts. Yes, so saw them from the water and he also saw the forest. He saw both. Yes, yes. And that's what the measures are saying, that they can have the, either power. Depending on how we are in Gullus, we can be well behaved in Gullus, and we're doing the, even even if it, there's decreed of Han Kleis would be currently in Gullus, but we can still be um, less vulnerable to them, more more protected by them. That's when they're coming from the sea. But they're different animals, different. Yes, each empire is going to be represented by a different animal. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to get there soon, and that's going to give us insight into the the nature, the specifics of of each of the four exiles. Um, so now another point that he's making. So there's a, there's a lot of insights into how Daniel has this vision of the four beasts. The first insight is what's the difference in them coming from the sea as opposed to them coming from the forest. But also, why were they represented by animals altogether? Maral's not going to discuss that. Can the four empires are represented um, by four different beasts, four different creatures? And that's what we saw... Um, Although in the in the in, in the uh, in the beginning, what we remember? Yes. Um, yeah. So the first animal that he saw was it, it appeared as a a um, a line with the wings of an eagle. That was Babel. The second one we yeah. saw was a bear. Very good. That was that was the Persian Median Empire. That was Achashverosh. The third one that he saw was was a leopard, a, a winged leopard. That's Greek Greece, the Greek exile. And the fourth one he saw was this a monster with many heads and many horns, and it didn't resemble any any animal that uh, you know any animal that you see in the zoo. Um, but all four of them are compared to he sees the, the all four empires as represented by four beasts, four creatures, four animals. So the Mara wants to know now why do you have to see them in terms of animals? Why why not see a vision of Nebuchadnezzar? You know for for Bubble. Why not see a vision of Achashverosh for, for the Persian Empire? Why not see a vision of Alexander the Great for the Greek Empire? Why is he seeing animals? Why animals? Well, so says the Maharal, there's, there's uh, an idea going on behind the scenes over here as well, why he sees specifically animals. Animals represent each of the four Goliaths. Says Maharal, um, Ultimately, man has power over the animals. If we're not careful, yes, animals can rip us to shreds, animals can kill people, but when we are clever, when we plan that, when we strategize, when we all put our heads together, so we have power over animals. Um, do it our superior intelligence. We put animals in zoos, even the most fearsome of animals, even the lion and the lioness, we put in the zoos, and, and animals don't put people in zoos, right? It's yet to happen that lions, you know, when, when they get out of control, so they'll just, you know, they'll kill a person. They don't put people in zoos. Uh, we have power over the animals. 
like the Pazik says, right? The Hashem empowered Adam Harishan was already given this ability to be um, um, in charge of the animals. He's in charge of the animals. Says the Marau. Very interesting idea over here. Um, two ideas, really. First of all, the, the idea the, 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 that which the um, four empires appear as four creatures, four animals, is that to make it clear that as powerful as they get and as fearsome as their exiles can become for us, uh, their control is only temporary. Whatever control they have is that is that, is that line that you're trying to capture, that the leopard that's out of control, the bear that that that, that grizzly bear that's rampaging, but but it's temporary. Just the same way we know eventually we're going to get that bear. Eventually we're going to get that lion. Eventually we're going to get that that that, that charging elephant. Eventually we're going to get it. That's the first reason why they're represented by animals. That their their power, their malchus, is only a very temporary and a fleeting one. But second of all, he's saying another idea. And this ties in with the ideas that we've seen till now. Their existence, their empires, and their reigns is lacking something on a very basic level. And it's an empire that 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 is animalistic in nature, meaning and not godly. These are empires that are never going to be empires that um, are there to to um, to be a part of Hashem's empire, to be entirely vehicles to bring out Hashem into the world, as we explained previously, because these are empires that are founded on that get their power from the flaw in the Bria, the the, the, the imperfection of the Bria, that imperfection of 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 um, the lack of Hashem. That's the other idea why they're represented by animals. An animal has not is is, is not is, doesn't have a, a godly neshama. An animal doesn't have a spark of godliness in it. Only human beings do. And being that Klaisrol, our empire is the malchus that's there to be a a a vehicle and a conduit for the malchus of Hashem. So we are represented. We are we are the let's say the people in terms of our empires and our our malchus. Whereas the four empires, Babel and Parasamadai and Yavan and Adam, their empires are entirely, entirely expansions on the lack of godliness in the world, the absence of Hakadosh Baruch in the world, and therefore they're represented by animals because their empires have no godliness to them. And 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 even as we we saw the other day, even when they sometimes get some things right, but they're getting things wrong at the same time, and that is inherently a lack of godliness. Um, that's why Daniel sees them as as animals. Okay, this is a good place to stop for today, and we're going to continue now. Now, the Maral is going to be going through uh, the next um, few uh, paragraphs over here. The Malchus one at a time, each specific animal and what it represents in terms of its own corrupted Malchus that it brings to the table, and it's going to bring us eventually to sometime soon 
to Yavan, hopefully in time for uh, Hanukkah. We'll keep going through Hanukkah. Hey, everyone should have a wonderful today.